Wheel, Kipper, and Board on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Let's just open up this show right now with my thanks to Sheldon Keefe last night, who in his post-game press conference mm-hmm. offered this explanation on why I wasn't working the last two days yep. on the Real Kipper and Bourne show. Let's have a listen. Billy was saying that he was under the weather maybe the last couple of days, or did you sense some, some of that caught up? Or what you... I don't know. It's, it's February in Ontario. Everybody's battling something. <laughs> there you go. There you go. He, you know, Kiefer had been watching. He said, where's Kipper? Someone asked him about it, and he said, hey, I know what it's like. Boys, I'm telling you. You wouldn't. It wasn't pretty the last two days. You still got. You had a sexy rasp right oh. now. You could really. And I'm like, <clears throat> every time you guys sent me match. a message, are you coming in today? And I'm like, oh, I don't want to break Sammy's heart. Okay. <laughs> He's buried under blankets. All Sammy's. Right. Listen, Sammy got us some shine. Oh my you know? God. <laughs> I'm so grateful I've got my chair back. <laughs> I, One more day. Who knows? You know. It's funny. We see each other every day, and we do the show all the time. But I will say, Kipper, I was genuinely really happy to see you today. When you walked in, <laughs> I was like, you know, it's great to see you, bud. I like you. You're I a good know. guy, and it's a good show with you here. We oh, prefer wow. when you're here. So there I you would go. say the ultimate compliment to Nick is that we referenced him 32 times. At least. Kipper wouldn't like that, eh? Yeah, at least. <laughs> yes. There were parts of me that watched a little bit. Yeah. Oh, okay. yes. Good, good. Tuned in a little bit, and then I... Hacked a, a lung up and yeah. I shut you guys off. That's good. Um, and also for those watching on YouTube, if it seems like I'm hiding behind my microphone, someone has adjusted it. No, I don't what? know how to fix it. <laughs> what is happening with your mic? Did, Do you want me to come did, in there and fix it for you? Did we have Pascal Siakam in here for look, an you, interview? You look like you're ready for uh, pitchers and catchers training camp <laughs> with the Blue Jays. <laughs> How do you fix that? I it's on the know. side. Do you need a hand? I no, I'm, fine. I'm Are you sure? I'm just going to sit with great I'll get it at the break. I'll get it at the Can break. Can I make a recommendation? Just like those uh, those lounge singers, just take it off and then just start moving around with <laughs> just it. Just work the room? Yeah, work the room. No room just take it work. off. No room to work in this spaceship. All right, boys. I think prior to my two sick days, there was a part of me that uh, said, I think, teeing up this game. That the one thing that kind of I was weary about was it's the last game. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got plans. Everybody's thinking maybe one thing uh, uh, the moment the, the game's over. Did you see any of that come through last night at all? Because I had said, and I think I nailed the score when I said, if Boston or Toronto wins 5-2. Is there something that can be said that this is the last game before the All-Star break and maybe focus and concentration Mm -hmm. might not be there? I do think that before I overreact for the next two hours, I'm going to start by prefacing it with, I'm aware that it was the last game before the break. I'm aware that they were missing their number one center in Austin Matthews. Apparently, Ilya Samsonov had the plague. Like, I'm aware of those things before I overreact to everything. But yes, Kipper... It's just tough to know what to assign certain failures to. You know, like they came out with energy and pace, and it was a great first period of hockey. Was it not a great first period? And then they just couldn't sustain it, and, you know, maybe their uh, gate check was starting to board or something. I don't know, but, yeah, maybe that's part of it. in Ontario. Everybody's <laughs> battling something. <laughs> the Leafs lose 5-2 to the Bruins last night at Scotiabank Arena in the last game. Uh, 
before February 10th. So they got quite uh, the time off as we do to dissect. Well, I wonder when they'll call him back. Will Everything. Be will be Wednesday will be first practice that they'd call him back? Yeah, my gut says sooner than that. But, yeah, you want to give them lots of time. So what we're going to do is break down each 10 minutes of that 60-minute game per show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we got to stretch it, baby. Okay, let's go. Uh, we'll, we'll dive into it, but we'll let Sheldon go first on on what he saw, you know, to start the game and, and how it progressed. Well, I had the first two periods were pretty close. I mean, obviously it's... To one hockey game after two periods, it's uh, you know it's right there. But you know, we talked about it this morning. They're they're a team that puts themselves in a spot to win games and forces the opposition to chase it a little bit. And and when it opens up, they make you pay for it. And I think that's kind of what happened here. Mm-hmm. Your overview, Kipper? Um, I did, I. I didn't find both teams particularly uh, sharp, mm-hmm. uh, which meant that uh, we did get a lot of scoring opportunities in the first period. Chance, and, chance, chance, yeah. chance, yeah. And, and the goalies were really good. Samsonov and was unreal in the first. Just seemed like Samsonov had picked up where he, he left off for, you know, 90% of the season, and that's playing at a high level. And he looked up to the challenge to go up against uh, Allmark. I know. I know there was, you know, after that first period, I had a moment where I was like, hey, like this guy's been great. He's kind of won the net. He, you know, guy from pedigree, big game here. He looks like he's up for the task. So didn't go that way for the next two periods, though, did it? Um, you know, in terms of my takeaway from that game, you know, Keith mentions, we'll listen to some more clips of his along the way, but he mentions it at one point that, you know, the Bruins kind of stick with it, right? They just stick with it in the, the process. I thought that once the Leafs fell behind to one particular Way too eager to try to find one, to create one, de-pinching, you know, just opens you up. And that's when the game got really dangerous for them is when they had their guys taking chances and that exposed them. Samsonov didn't bail them out. That's all I got. And it was safe to say that you're safe to say that you were getting a better Boston Bruin lineup coming off of uh, three consecutive losses here. Yeah. Taylor Hall had a great, um, uh, quote um that i that i had heard about uh not happy about those three games and there are three games that they didn't deserve to win and that uh that they they knew that they had to come in here and and play like uh, a team that uh was desperate for a win which mm-hmm. is pretty incredible when you're talking about a team that uh has only lost seven times but it that is. To, to me that's just a a sign of uh maturity it's a sign yeah. of being pros last night the boston bruins looked like 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 they, they were all world on the on the pro level yeah you know they they lose three in a row and they come into toronto every guy in their team's available does interviews talks to people you know they they've they're not worried that it's all falling apart on them you look at teams who win the stanley cups you know colorado avalanche lost four in a row in april last year tampa bay that won the cup two years before in a row they lost three in a row both years like it happens to great teams i thought the the bruins kept their heads about them and you know went about their business pretty well pretty good hockey game yeah it's just it's heartbreaking how good they are yeah they're good by the way really did you see the opening segment i did where i had to pick you know leafs or bruins top six bottom six yeah you and sam and, and carolyn uh Pre-game went over six or seven categories. Yeah. I actually love that segment. Great idea. Whoever well, came up with that. Good producing. Uh, it would have been real short for me. I was just Bruins? probably had the Bruins right across the board. You could have. 
you know, and I, I got killed for it, right? Because I ticked the Bruins' bottom six, the Bruins' defense, the but Bruins' why would you PK, the Bruins' power play. Well, the Leaf fans yeah. killed you. Right. Oh, okay. Well, that doesn't really count. No, that's fair. But I don't think objectively, like the number one PK in the league, their penalty or their power play has been awesome in the postseason where the Leafs haven't. I don't want to go through it all right now. But, yeah, I, I feel like it's tough to watch those two teams stacked up and be like, where is the advantage? Without Austin Matthews, it's certainly significant. It's a big absence for so, them. Well, the bottom six thing, look no further than last night. A.J. Greer scores a goal for them. Yeah, play Zaka, Zaka scores two goals for them. Yeah. Carlo scores. Yeah. You know, uh, Forbort Forbort scored. was a shorty. Yeah. Like They shut down the top six. Pasta, they didn't even get a, Like, I mean, they were decent. You know, they had that good chance where he dusted Riley. But I thought for the most part, they did a really good job in the top guys. And the, the bottom six was just far better than the so least bottom let, six. Let me just stay on your, uh, your pregame segment, segment uh, yeah. that was on Sportsnet last night. Uh, and, and you had picked the top six with the Leafs. Mm-hmm. And that was based on Marner, Matthews, yep. uh, Tavares, Nylander, Bunting. Yeah. And Bunting. To me, it's more guys, you know, the three yeah. Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak might be the best three going, but well, yeah. And that's where, I mean, for me, that's a, that's a bit of a wash to be honest with you. Sure. And if push came to shove, I'd rather have the guys that I, no, have won before, uh, playoff proven. Hall, Krejci, Zaka was their second right? line, yeah. And Hall's won a heart trophy. And can get it done at both ends of the ice. Bergeron, uh, our modern day best 200-foot you know, centerman. I think part of that, Kipper, for me game. is I'm hoping that he's aged a little bit. Yeah. And that Marchand is not the best version of himself either. Yeah. And you're getting the best of the Leafs, guys. I say with fingers crossed. See, the one thing that kind of stood out to me last night is, uh, you know, Bergeron, Marchand, they came out, I think, to hit the crossbar really early. Great first shift. Right? They won the draw, yeah, got it in. Great first yeah. shift. But as far as uh, putting the puck in the net, producing, carrying the, the load of, of having to produce, uh, they didn't have to. No. And... To Sammy's point earlier, when you see uh, a Zaka or a Greer picking up, you know, some goals, then you're in a scenario where if if by chance Tavares and, and Marner kind of cancel out Bergeron and, and Marchand, then it's the deeper lineup that ends up finding a way to win. Yeah, and that's how they're able to stick with it and be patient and just sort of let that take its course. Now... There were bright spots for the Leafs. Like, I thought Nylander carried a lot of the play in the early part of the game yeah. anyway. You know, I thought I thought he looked good. Again, Samsonov had that good start. You know, there's moments where you go, okay, I can see how they beat them earlier, how they can hang with yeah. them, whatever. But you're talking about a seven-game series where these things, you stay at it, yeah. you stay, stay at it, weaknesses get exposed. And the one thing I get, again, watching last night is if, if Mitch Marner isn't – the engine, if he's not carrying and, and not hitting, and he scored a, a nice goal, no question about that. Yeah. But him and Tavares struggled. They so. they were they were uh, average at best. You Tavares, not Tavares' best night. You, how how you, often is Mitch Marner minus if, four? If in a they game? if they are average, Never. if they aren't stepping up, the, the, there's just very seldom do you see the Leafs winning. Well, it's actually interesting that I'd love to get your take on watching that game. 
and leaving with the takeaway because I had two thoughts during the game. And one is, who's going to score? Like, those guys looked a little off. The top guys looked off. And it was like, so who's going to score? Who's it going to be if it's not, you know, the three guys who are in the lineup not named Austin Matthews? Go ahead, Sammy. And this is something that's happened to them in, in playoffs. playoffs. You run into this and go, okay, if they're not jamming, who's it going to be? You think back to the deciding games in the last two seasons versus Montreal and versus Tampa when those guys got shut down which often happens in playoff series to top guys you look for who in the bottom half is going to contribute with a big goal and it's the same story that's why we come in here when uh Engvall looks awesome against a depleted Capitals team and you talk yourself into it and then you see them against good teams and it's like okay you can't count on Engvall to produce for you you can't count on Kerfoot to go get the next goal so I see a lot of things today about how Lilligren and Sandine struggled and how maybe Keith or sorry, Dubas is like, okay, maybe, you know, we, that's where we have to address it. But I still feel like my point is you need someone on both sides. You need a top six and you need a, you need Jake Muzzin is who you need. Healthy well, Jake Muzzin. I think uh, the other thing that stood out for me is that they, they, don't look like they can physically challenge or or at least, uh, you know, not look inferior at times. I don't uh, even think you physically. mean like... And I'm not talking about body checking. Right. I'm just talking about uh, uh, battles. And, like, you know, if we go back to a situation where you think you're in the game and then maybe one of the worst fourth-line shifts I've seen in a very long time where I don't know how long they were ended, ended up being out there. And Wayne Simmons probably had the best opportunity to come off in the neutral zone, chose not to. Mm-hmm. And they were dead dog tired. Yeah, you can see they, they, right? they Lilli- just, you know, you know, watch the clips before Lilligren's like poking at it. It was a two and a half minute shift for Sandine and Lilligren. Oh yeah. It they was, were just, you know, and, no resistance at that you know, point, which tough to fault them. Uh, they had a tough night, a really tough night. And if I'm not mistaken, he kept them together the whole night. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that happen? At some time, yeah. at some point, does like I, I get there's there's been a lot of gain, right? You've had a lot, you've had a lot of sample sizes. So if if you wanted to go back to that pair after the All Star break, I wouldn't even have a problem with it. But when there's some nights. A coach can identify that this is not their night, mm-hmm. and I gotta split them up, and he doesn't. Then I I question Sheldon. Here, here I'm gonna tell you my thoughts on that. Is that they were both so bad, and they haven't been, but they were both so bad that I think you risk making two pairs bad. Oh boy, you know, like if it's Hall and Sandine now, or it's you know Lilligren and Riley, yeah. like they it just wasn't their night. You know, not saying they can't have good nights yeah. against the Bruins, but, but even the fifth goal bothered me. The fifth goal, and you think it's it's, the, it's over, and that Sandine was gets bodied that was off Sandine the puck. getting completely squeezed off by Pasternak, and then um, it's tic tac toe in front of the net, leaving Samsonov out to dry mm-hmm. off of uh, Zaka's second goal. Mm-hmm. That one bothered me, and again, what what last night made me uh, revisit is that you know the Leafs. Collectively, they've got a, a, a good job defensively, but they're just too nice back there. They're just not, they're not mean. They're not, they haven't got a mean bone in their body. They wouldn't, they're not 
constantly getting in people's faces. And I'm watching I'm watching Carlo absolutely own bunting in front of the net, have some nastiness. It's the penalty he took on the, bunting that didn't yeah, get called? Yeah, the penalty, and we'll, yeah. we'll get into that. Okay. And, you know, that's a separate conversation. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm watching this this uh, uh, Clifton, Connor Clifton. Yeah, you like him? Love him. What? Love him. Oh, okay. Mean, nasty, jumps up on the play, blows by Tavares in the neutral zone for a breakaway. Like, that's a blue line right now I'm watching, you know, the Boston Bruins. You know, I, I looked at their blue line. The one thing that does stand out to me is that the learning is done with that group. No one, I think the youngest guy on their decor is Carlo at 26, Clifton's 27, Grizzlick's older than that, four boards older than that, and not and none of them are old. You know, like you have a bunch of guys, they say with defensemen, it takes 200 games, 300 games, whatever you think it is to find yourselves. Like, these guys have done their finding, and so I think it's a fair question about in a playoff series, whether it's Boston or Tampa Bay, Sandine and Lilligren is your third pair. We know how excellent they are. We know in terms of breaking pucks out in the regular season and all that, but it is, you know, it's a different ask in the playoffs. It's a different ask. It's going to be Tampa Bay every night and it's going to be big bodies. You know, if you get another guy, Sandine's probably in the press box in round one. You feel pretty good about that group with him as an option to come in, but where do you find Jake Muzzin 2.0 at this point? Because even Chikrin's not that. Is Gavrikov that? I just, uh, it just kind of baffles me a little bit that you felt you had a need last year and you go and you handpick Labushkin and, and it, good pick. it's good pick. And it gives you a little bit of a different look back there. Wouldn't you have loved him not with Riley and like playing the third pair? Like, Okay, lose them to free agency, but don't replace them or don't find anybody that can come in and and do that. Mm-hmm. You know, do you think if they were to go back with Riley Sand or sorry, with Sandine Lilligren and say that was a learning experience for those guys about preparedness and what the level needs to be like, do you feel like they could find it? That they could find their way through thirty more games postseason? Well they they, they... They have to. They got no other choice. Well, no, the team they, has choices over the next four weeks. Well, not enough to, I think, blow up that, um, you know, the, that investment that they've made. Yeah. Over the year and a half, it's just a matter of, I think, putting them in s- certain spots that they're not vulnerable, or you know, you're not going to get uh, out matched physically mm. uh, i mean i i i just don't see them playing 20 minutes in in two or three best of sevens and not seeing a lot more shifts like we saw on the carlo goal yeah 20. every other night it's interesting right? that they gave riley and brody the tough matchup last night so they played the past the line you know the whole night where in the postseason the past it's been hall and muzzin or, you know, really whoever's been with Muzzin. But Giordano and Hall have been the matchup pair this year. In that game, they give it to Riley and Brody. And I wonder if that wasn't something of a test. Like, Brody, they think, is their best shutdown guy. Can Morgan play against top lines all postseason? I got to tell you, doesn't feel great, <laughs> you know, watching him defend. Was it our, Sammy, was it our very own Luke Fox that asked uh, Sheldon after the game about... Uh the gap between Boston and, and Toronto. 
it was. I found this really interesting. Let's have a listen. Oh, you guys are watching the games. I mean, it's last time we played them in their building, you know, uh, it's a tie game with a few minutes left. Tonight it's a 2-1 game going to third period. Like, the margins are thin. But it, over the course of the season, I mean, it's it's significant. I mean, they just stay with it, right? I mean, they're, they're 40 goals better than every team in the NHL. So it's it's a significant gap from between them and the rest of the of the of the league when you look at the the season in its entirety uh, to this point. But uh when you're in the game you're right there. I mean it's that's what that's what's tough, you know, because you certainly in Boston and then here again tonight, you know, we're we're right there. Um but the difference between being right there and winning the game and being on the other side of it you know that's that's significant. That's a, that's a significant challenge and hurdle. That team is is dialed in and focused and, and competing and working, uh, and make it they make it hard. Was that in describing the gap? Was that uh, three significance or four? It's a use? significant, 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 <laughs> significant gap. I would say it's rather significant. I, I I think the gap's significant. That's what he basically said. I'm not sure anybody in Leaf Nation really want to hear that. It's getting redundant. Well, well, you know, it's really a compliment to... That was a great drop. Really a compliment to the Bruins because the Leafs have been unbelievable this season. Like, their winning percentage is through the roof. All they do is beat everyone, and they are 13 points behind the Bruins now with 30 games left. They're 15 points ahead of fourth in their division, so they're finishing second or third, boys. Prepare for Tampa. How about this? Would you make trades based on your first-round opponent? Yes. You're saying, okay. Well, Don't even worry about the second round. Yeah, who do we need to beat Tampa? you got to understand that the, the blueprint to beating Tampa is also the blueprint to beat Boston or get to a conference final or, or a Stanley Cup final. Yeah. It's the same blueprint. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah, you need bigger, if, if you they need were stronger, in you some need way. heavier. Yeah. Uh, you need one here, you need one there. Yeah. You know, Timo Meyer is six two two ten or something like that. If you're gonna not beat a the, mean guy, if you're gonna beat the Bruins or Tampa, you need at least two bottom six guys, maybe a top six guy, maybe a D, like maybe two D men, and maybe a goalie. But other than that, you know, we're, we're, it's for quite the checklist, talk, Sammy. For all no. the top six talks, Krejci is below a point per game. Bergeron has thirty eight points in fifty one games. You know, Zaka has Kerfoot points. You know, like, it's not like the top guys in the Leafs can't outperform them, and that's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, you're right. You're right. If they can step up and be the engine that we talked about earlier in the show, they they have a chance. They, yeah. They, they do, but those guys... Allmark needs to a, not be that goalie it, that he was last it night. Is a, it's going to be an extraordinary level that they're going to have to hit three or four guys. Yeah, I just wonder how many... Can there just be a few games where they just I, take I, it away? I just don't. I don't. I don't believe. Oh, come on. No, I don't. Like, I watched that team, and it just... <laughs> like it, I said it last night on Leafs Talk. I'll say it again. It just... I want to believe. Yeah. And if they can prove me wrong, sure, I'll feel like an idiot, but... couple of guys get you over the hump? couple of new bodies? I think... Listen, you can't go into a playoff series with the bottom six the way it looks. Just flat out. Well, like we got... got... Tampa and Boston's bottom six will both significantly outplay the least bottom six and then it's all on the four guys to carry you and that's hard in about uh 20 minutes we're gonna have uh, luke uh, gastic of course uh, doing some nice work on sportsnet uh we're gonna ask him about that bottom six a guy that uh knows a little bit about that role 
Wayne Simmons get, got another opportunity last night. Mm-hmm. And we should just looked, mention that he punched AJ Greer's oh, head no, off for sure. his shoulders. No, Richard no. Greer wishes he didn't get a chance in that game. Right. Um, and, you know, for the most part, it, I didn't mind him. You know, I don't. No, he, he had a couple of good moments. There. Do I think on a day to day basis he can keep up and, and, and play that role? No. I think it's. You had a couple injuries in the first round. You'd put him in a fourth line wing. I, I think, I think there's parts of his game that uh, I've kind of passed him a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I'd still rather have him out there than Aston Reese mm-hmm. or um, Hunt or all the the rest yeah. of them. Because yeah. he has a presence. And Joey Anderson. And jo- or... all, all of them. Yeah. Nick Patan. How far you want to go back? <laughs> what about McMahon? You like uh, McMahon more? Or... Wouldn't McMahon get four games? He had three good ones, one bad? Yeah, he's like, coming it? back. Yeah, I They're think just, so too. Uh, I don't know if it's where the juggling comes from. Just give but Anderson a run maybe. I, I, I got to think he's coming back. Me too. But then he has, you know... Uh, brain cramp where you know he gets to stay out there a little longer the guys are on there for two and a half minutes and now everybody thinks that they can have as long shifts as long as they want Mm -hmm. i don't i don't i don't get that and you can't make those mistakes yeah like in fairness that one they don't get burned because of it they get burned because samsonov can't make a stop you know like some of the goals that went in on samsonov last night after his incredible first period the carlo one no thank you you know, like the the four-board one will give him the credit that, you know, it's four-board and he almost hit him in the body. It's a weird spot to shoot it. But the Carlo one, no good. The Zach Greer one's a great shot, but he's beat clean. Zaka one, no thanks. You know, not not a great showing down the stretch there for Olilia. And you know what weirded me out the most is the one where Zaka cuts back on the four-on-four. He's square to him. And he's so far off his net, he's actually sliding over as he misses the shot. Like, he shouldn't have to push. He should just be... So there was some thing, just a strange night for the goaltender. Sammy, does that bring us to my uh, article today in the Toronto Star? If uh... I would like to say that I, since the time I said that I believe in Ilya Samsonov, he's allowed 11 goals or 12 goals in three starts. So you can blame me. <laughs> Today I wrote an article for the Toronto Star. Uh, it's around the Leaf goaltending, and uh, you can you can find it on my Twitter account, Real Kipper. It kind of centers around maybe where the the mindset is of Kyle and Brendan and Sheldon with their goaltending situation today. The decision that lies uh, ahead here. Friday night, boys, going to the game, thinking I'm watching Matt Murray come in and get things rolling again. Disappeared. Mm-hmm. Just. Like, out of thin air, not starting. I have no idea why. I had to, like, look three times, maybe two more because of that third glass of wine. But <laughs> I looked multiple times, 13th. and I'm like, why is he not in there? Yeah. And he's backing up, yeah. which led to the one of the most bizarre scenes. And he's not good enough to start, but he's good enough to back up. The whole thing A bit was of a just, bluff, eh? Like, if we see here if we need him. Don't run our starter. It was really, really strange. And in my article today, I, I, I spoke of how it kind of reminded me of Freddie Anderson, mm-hmm. where, you know, a lot of people really believe that Freddie was the number one goalie and this is where it's heading. And then it's like, where's Freddie? Mm-hmm. Well, 
what do you mean he's got a knee injury? And we didn't see anything. And what's going on here? And never regained it back. And the sense is, is like, could could that happen again with Matt Murray here? You know, reading through your article, um, you know, a good look at the quandary that Kyle Dubas has ahead of him. I just watching that Bruins game. Can you imagine spending the assets? You mentioned Nashville as a potential team that might. Well, I, I gave three some guys I, in, in the article. I, I, I gave three choices, right? Yeah. One is that you do what you did a few years ago and you got David Riddich, right? For reinforcements, which is basically another Samson off, you know, not to answer right? your questions as you're at and asking yeah. them, but, or you do something bolder. And you go out there and uh, get a goalie that is not UFA, that can give you another few more years at a very cap-friendly number. And the sense is is that you know, Vancouver may be listening on Demko. Mm-hmm. And then I threw out uh, UC Soros as oh. a potential uh, watching the Nashville situation, which multiple teams have told me that they think that they might be in the buy, uh, the selling mode if, in fact, they get uh, too far away from a, a playoff scenario. And I'm sorry, what? UC Saros? UC. Osekin UC? The fact that uh, David Poyle and the Nashville Predators have the draft He's, in June. And, and Saros is going to be 28 in April. The, you know, like if they're not going to win now, might as well get a haul. And that's, that's maybe the sense. And it's bold, but... Would you rather feel like at least you got someone that the the boys can be comfortable with moving forward for the next two years or in the pecking order of uh, priority, it's not there for you? Well, it's just if you, to get UC Soros, UC Soros, I mean, the guy almost won a Vezina trophy. He's one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. He's going to cost that package that we've talked about. We've talked about trading for months now, the nyes in a first. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you go, okay, what about the rest of the roster? And you're like, ah, we got no money left. We can't spend anything. We got, we, you know, it's like me walking around the mall as a kid. You got nine bucks. If I spend my nine bucks, I don't know, that's but the end of it. If you don't have a goalie, you, you no can t- trade for as many Timo Myers as you want. You got nothing. But you can't watch that game last night and be like, well, they, least, the, the goalie's the difference. Listen, uh, I think this, part, you could. I, I didn't write <laughs> the article. Okay. I, I, I didn't write the article today to say that this is what they have to do no. now. Said, like they, the they've got 30 days. they got 30 days. They've got, uh, they'll have, by the time that Murray comes back in and is healthy, they'll probably have 25 games to go. How many starts do you want to get Murray back in before you you, know, you, you start feeling good about him? How many more for Samsonov? Oh, yeah. If yeah, Samsonov yeah. has another three or four like he had on the weekend, how less... Uh, uh, engaged are you on him? Where are you? Yeah, going up against Vasilevsky in the first round. But to say up point, in the that's where I am. If you're short on a power forward, or you didn't get the defenseman that you want, at the very least, could you have a goalie in there <laughs> that you think that could steal you a few games? A, if you trade for UC Soros, he better be Vesna UC Soros because he's going to see some great A chances. Yes. Defending I, I, on the left side is Riley Sandine. I just, uh, it's just hard to envision right now feeling the way you do about their goaltending situation now going up against Tampa Bay Lightning. That's all. Yep, but it does feel like last year with Campbell where you say if he gives us a 900, 
we might get to a game seven and have a chance. You know, if he's an 880, we're toast. Yeah. You know, we don't. We just need him to be okay. I, I'm not going to throw Samsonov in the river for two bad starts in three games. No. I think he's shown enough that you can maybe believe in him a little bit. Is that? Yeah, just move on. I think that's maybe as yeah. far as I'd be willing to go, that you'd have a little bit of belief in him. But the the Murray situation is definitely Freddie-esque. And when I read that from you, I was like, God, I wish I thought of that because it's very, very similar in terms of a guy that has the past of injury, seems like he's kind of, I don't know, like there's some intrigue with him off the ice in terms of him not being able to play and him getting mm-hmm. hurt in a morning skate and all this stuff. Like the parallel is there. And then if you don't have a backup and Samsonovs get lit up in game one, you're going to go to wall? Well, no, that can't happen. But so... David Reddish is brutal. But, like, I don't know who picked him out of Calgary for the Leafs. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's just not that's just not doing your homework. That you, guy was never the guy. Okay. I can live with that. So I can live with that take on Riddich because I'm not particularly passionate about him. But I liked the idea of having an insurance policy. If, He's having an all right year in uh, Winnipeg this year, David Riddich. Is he? Yeah. He's probably played, what, 10 games? 13. 909. You know, if what you say or what I say is true, that you only got to be a 900, 910 to have a chance to win, and that's, a, you know, then there are guys who can do that. There are other Ilya Samsonovs, and now we're talking the third-round pick, fourth-round pick type of guys as your third goalie. Well. Or your second if Matt I, Murray is. I, if you're going after your third goalie, then you, you're – if you're going after a goalie – you're 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 not putting him in a Riddish situation. You're putting him in behind Samsonov, I think. Yeah. So then, and you push Murray out. Basically, you say to Matt Murray, Matt, March third's the day. You need to be healthy and playing well enough to make us comfortable that we don't need to get someone else to replace you. That's where he's at. Do you or want? Can they can they put him on Robot Island and take his LTR? I wonder how deep they are in LTIR. If they use a little bit extra, that'd oh, be they're, fun. Oh, they're deep. Oh, they're deep, but I don't think they're all the way to the depths. I think they got they could. What's the depths? I think 10, 12, schmill or something. It's a lot. It's that much? I thought do it was. We... Oh, go ahead. No, no, let's look into that. Um, do you want to do bunting? Sure. What did you think of Michael Bunting's showing last night? Uh, I think Michael Bunting's there. In so many ways, but the theatrics once again have come back to bite him and the Leafs in the ass. Okay, and he does not get the benefit of the call. And okay, let's he just got hold, on, last hold on. Night. He got screwed last night, one hundred percent. Okay, and I, I can't believe there's there's four guys out there and they did not huddle up. They didn't go look at the blood and someone say, "I definitively know that came from." Carlo in front of the net. Sure. So he didn't right? have, you know, it doesn't happen by magic. But it didn't happen. Everything after that was a circus. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was a clown show. And that's and, and so stuff when Marchand hauls him down, weird stop. the refs don't see that one all of a sudden, right? It has to stop. Yeah. It just has to stop. I get you feel like you're getting screwed. But the 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 right answer is just to play through it. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, for, for knowing to calm bunting down, to let him continue to rant and have a uh, temp, temper tantrum on the bench, nobody, not a veteran, not a coach. To I, go, I hated that on the bench. Okay? You guys snapping Just a stick over the boards. Stop like, hey, it. Like, stop it. It's not helping. Who was it this year? Someone hit their teammate in the face with a stick. I think it's, it was Shabbat. It's just not Ottawa. helping. 
It's yeah. not helping. No. No. And then, you know, you look at the history of other guys. Like, Kadri was a guy here in Toronto who drew a ton of penalties until he didn't, right? Until he has a reputation. They stopped making that those calls for him. So it does go away. There's a history of refs getting the book on a guy and stopping making calls. So If I could play the other side of this. Please do which I don't necessarily love to do because I wouldn't say I like the antics at all. And I thought some of them yesterday was, quite frankly, a little bit embarrassing. But for a team that we make fun of all the time for not having passion passion and sleeping through games, you can't teach caring like Bunting does. The guy cares. He's flying Uh, around out there. He's in a mix. After they scored... He was literally in a fight as they scored well, the second goal. He did a little petty, dumb thing where he slapped the guy in the face after yeah, the goal. And guess what? I, but I don't mind that at all. I was on the morning show today, and uh, they they questioned it, and I said, "No, that that that's fine. That that's a legitimate hockey play. And if there's one guy that you have an issue with, or you just want to go up to him and say, I'm, I'm not taking your crap,' and you want to you want to go after him, and that in this case it was uh, Coil mm-hmm. and and Bunting." So be it. It's okay. fine. It's yep. okay. Go to four on four. That's that's not a that shouldn't derail you. That shouldn't yeah. lose your focus. You lost a draw off the four on four, and you never recovered. Yeah, that's not on bunting. No, not saying it's on bunting. It's just one of those things where you know. I want to say that I just want him to play hockey, but I don't want him to lose that edge. So, yeah, maybe this is a place I need to change but, my opinion here and to say, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll back up my, my boy Sammy here and say, like, you don't have enough of those guys. He's yeah. it. How much of that is pos- is like is fake? How much of some of the stuff is... I'm okay to fake it till you make it. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Listen, I, I don't know if he weighs a buck 60. He's small... He's not heavy. He can't fight. He doesn't hit. But somehow you notice him. He's in, I, like, he's please in, give he's me, in the junk. Give me a few more guys like that. Yeah. For sure. There's no doubt. There's no doubt that what he brings is something they need. And say what you will, you know, whether or not you think he's he's a 20-point scorer who gets 40 more because of Matthews and Marner and Nylander. Oh, yeah, and that's the guy not the case. Is, the guy is... A, Scoring back to back years of almost sixty points, yeah, and he's gonna make five million dollars next year. Okay, yeah. So this is him. Okay, put him in Winnipeg. He's getting twenty goals next year. You know, like or whatever you think the numbers. Yeah. I, I I like him. I think he's a smart player, high IQ guy, which is why this stuff is just it's not helping his team out. But like, we, it's human nature for the refs to like, be like, oh, you know, guess yeah. guess who I'm, and even on when he got cross-checked in the face or whatever happened, the, the the snap back of the head was like, oh, that looked like a dive. It looked like one of his Sydney signature dives. Did he actually dive. point to the referee? That was after, yeah, that was, was the Marchand okay. one. Yeah, no, the he, Marchand one, he's pointing the to the ref. The Marchand one was nothing. It was two guys that were kind of wrestling. They both fell down. Like it was, I thought it was a penalty, ah, but... Barely. It was, yeah. it was nothing. It's, it's really... It's, it's not about whether or not it's a missed call or not. We can argue a thousand sure. times a night on those. Yeah. It's the theatrics... You're going to now take 18,000 people and you're going to point out a referee and you're going to try to embarrass him. And then expect to get the call later the next time. Yeah, you, know, you can't show him up like that. Yeah. It's not just, happening. It's just, and you get everybody in the arena pissed off. The you're, next time it's close and I'm holding the whistle, good luck. That's what I mean. And yeah. It is. It's a temper tantrum and it's got to stop. Yeah. It's, and you know when they need uh, some immature. calls? When they, need, when they need calls? 
in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> They're going to need a couple. Well, well last year there was 100 calls on both sides, so maybe that's a moot point. They'll cha- completely change the way the game's officiated for the first round of the playoffs and then go back to normal <laughs> and I have in the no, second round. I have no doubt that, uh, you know, the, the, the missed Carlo mm-hmm. is like, you want to be that guy? Go stand in front of the net. I yeah. I'm not protecting but you. Give give credit to Bunting. Every single game, oh, he, goes he takes this exact beating every game. I and told you it, my theory on five eleven guys being face height. They just catch all the elbows. For and sure, it's terrible. And he just goes straight to the front there, takes a beating, and just goes off the ice. Goes back on the ice. Yeah. Goes back to the front of the net. Oh, Got to give him credit. He's a yappy dog, man. Absolutely. He keeps, keeps at you. I love it. Um, by the way, that Boston penalty kill is so good. I know the Leafs scored a power play goal, but that PK being first in the NHL, it looks every part of it. They, I thought the Leafs power play was toothless last night, aside from the goal. So, you know. All right. We're going to take a quick break. I got to go. Uh, Hack a cough. Yeah. <laughs> We got the funnel the in here. He's going to chug Robitussin. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> you talk about it, it actually happens. I got a cough button, too, which helps me. Luke Gazdick, uh, a great guy that uh, we can kind of talk about that bottom six and the role that uh, you have to play to be successful. We'll get his thoughts after the break. And in the second hour, Brian Lawton, he's been on before. The only one uh, that I know that can claim he's done it all. Played, agent, general manager, Analyst knows it, knows every angle. Brian Lawton after four o'clock. That and more when we come back. Real Kipper and Bourne. This is Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. We had a lot to chew on in that first block. We ain't done. We are not. All right, uh, Sammy, we got Luke. Just a second. They're just hanging out on the phone. All right. Let's welcome in Luke Gazdick. Does a great job with Sportsnet. How are you, Luke? Good, Kepper. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, we're hanging in. You know, uh, it's kind of hard to kind of look back at last night's Toronto-Boston game and wonder, you know, did fans get enough of a sample size to understand what the challenges are for the Leafs? Or is that one of those games when, much like those... The the last game before Christmas, when everybody's got other things on their mind, uh, and of course they speak of the All Star break. What do you, what were your thoughts overall last night? Well, they got their lunch handed to them, that's for sure. Um, I was watching the game with my dad here at home in uh, in North York, and before the game, he said, uh, "Who do you like?" And I, I really liked the Leafs last night. I've been in that position a lot that last game before All Star break, and there's just so much like good energy kind of good vibes around the dressing room um and we kind of like use that energy like you you, you're all excited to whether it be go on vacation or go home to see your folks and your family um you kind of use that energy and i honestly thought the Leafs were gonna we're gonna have a a better showing than that but that's just a veteran team there in boston man they show the Leafs again that you know if they want to win anything it's it's going through them did you watch that and feel like they needed, like their shortcomings are more on the defensive side of things or more on the offensive side? Because obviously, you know, they, they scored twice but didn't produce a ton. Uh, and meanwhile, giving up six, you know, not great. What were your thoughts on uh, the bigger concern? Honestly, I just, I didn't think they just looked like a complete team. They just didn't, they, they, they were kind of all on different pages, uh, to be honest. I don't think it was... You know, certainly one end of the uh, of the pocket in particular, they just didn't have it. It was just one of those games that 
you just got beat. Um, and and uh, and like I said, man, Boston's just they got a good, well-rounded squad. Um, they made a couple moves, even like that Pavel Zaka move is is looking like a pretty underrated trade trade and sign um, for them with Zaka getting Halsey locked up to a, to a nice deal. Um, I know they have some money to work with as their top two centers are making what three and a half this year, but they made some sneaky good moves there um, to, to the build on that core. Also, some sneaky good moves in the bottom six. And last night you mentioned Zaka, uh, you know, coming in and not necessarily uh, one of the core guys. Um, but then you look at Greer's goal last night and you're wondering now, you know, what do the Leafs need to match uh, a bottom six like Boston's now? Because, again, it, it seemed like they fell short last night. Yeah, Greer's is a good uh, Toronto kid. Obviously, he didn't get the better of of simmer in the scrap, but um, there's tons of guys like that in hockey. You guys know um, there's guys that are, that are kind of trolling around in American league rosters that are are good players. And and there's good, you know, bottom six depth guys in the NHL that maybe are in and out of the lineup that just need a kind of different look and a different opportunity. And that's up to GM and management to be, you know, sourcing around the league and seeing, what's available and, and who could use a change of scenery. And for some guys, that's it. You just need a new Jersey, you need a new city and things, things just pull together. I brought up the Zaka thing. Cause I was asking my dad about, you know, whether that's a, yes, he pulled type situation in Edmonton. If the kid just similar situation, right. First rounder just needed to change the scenery and, and he's playing well for the bees. I wonder if a guy like Pooley Arvey could do something in the same position. Well, that's interesting. Cause you've seen, go ahead, Kipper. No, I was just, I was just going to ask you uh, just one thing on on Greer was his fight after the goal. And I think you asked last night in our chat, your group chat. Would you want to give him that fight? Yeah, would you give him that fight? Let's go to you, uh, Luke, and ask. Would you, uh, would you, would you give him that fight uh, after scoring a goal? Man, I always said yes. Honestly, <laughs> um, I, I always said Me too. yes. Like, there, were, there were tons of times where – where I'd be lining up and you know, it's coming. Like as soon as coach calls your line over, you know, it's coming and you have about 15 seconds to make a very, very tough split. like decision in your mind. And a lot of times boys, I'd be like, no, you know what? It's, I'm just going to say no. And the guy lines up and he's like, Hey, we want to go. And you say no. And he asks again and asks again. And you're just like, you know what? Screw it. Let's do it. You know, <laughs> you push over. Like, here. I don't care. And, and by that time, like, I was confident enough in myself and my abilities as, you know, an enforcer, as people like to call them that like, I didn't lose too many fights. So I knew, I knew like, I don't know. It's a tough way to say it in my, in my view, but like I was confident enough in my abilities that I'm like, Hey, big boy, you want to ask me to go? Like, you know, you're going to stand in here. I'll give you one, you know? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's great. That's, um, you know, that does take a measure of confidence for sure. So, You've seen a bunch of guys. You've probably played with a ton of guys who you thought, like Greer, like in a different spot, a little more opportunity. Maybe they can, you know, find find the foothold. Looking at the Leafs, you got McMahon and you got Anderson and you got Holmberg and, you know, all these guys kind of trying to get in and, and find that spot. Do you think that they're enough in the bottom six or that they have to go outside the team and find better in the bottom six? I uh, Yeah, they're not there right now. I think... Even if it's one guy, I've been on teams where you make like a, like one trade towards the end of, toward the deadline. And it looks like a nothing trade. Um, immediately to mind Brett Kulak to Edmonton a year, a bit ago, 
Uh, I know I just brought up Edmonton again. It's just a team I, the Leafs and, and Edmonton are mostly who I, who I watch. Uh, and even one small trade can really affect your team. It's a bottom ticker trade that just kind of looks like it's nothing, and it can really help. And I think there's there's players in the league that that the Leafs should be looking at right now that can. Uh, that can really help. I look at guys like Garnet Hathaway in Washington. Uh, even if Poyle's looking apart with Janot, I don't know if that could ever happen. But Ryan Lomberg in Florida, I, I think there's a lot of options in the in the league um, that they can look at. It's just about whether they can fit it in with Cap. You know, a lot of questions about the goaltending. We thought for the most part that it's been fairly uh well answered, at least with Samsonov and unfortunately uh, the inconsistency of, of Murray. But where would you, Luke, prioritize Kyle Dubas at the trade deadline? I, there's a lot of boxes, or there's multiple boxes that need to be checked here, but where would you put uh, the priority on? I mean, I, I don't think you can touch the, touch the goaltending. It's been so fr- frustrating uh, with, with Murray. Uh, I, I mean, I've been on teams like that. You just you need a guy consistently in there. You know, Ilya's done that for them. But even Murray, like, with tweaking whatever he did in warm-ups the other day, like, that drives you nuts. Like, that drives coaches and, and players nuts. Putting Having to put your backup, not the backup, but the backup for that night uh, in a situation like that. And you just wish this guy could stay healthy because when he's good, he's good. But uh, I don't think it's a, prior, a top priority for them. But, man, would you like to see uh, him start to string a couple together here? You know, we were watching that game last night and getting a real sense for what playoff, uh, you know, the difference of playing a great team against, you know, versus some of the other teams they've played over the last little bit. What do you find is the major difference when you play the good teams, when you're playing in the playoffs, when, when it's, you know, the, the temperature gets turned up as much as it was last night? What's different as a player in those games? The good teams, they just don't give you anything, is what, is what I've found. They'll, they'll make mistakes here and there, but they have coverage for them. So, you know, if your F1 misses on something, they have secondary help. And, you know, if a defenseman, you know, makes a mistake in the D zone, he has help. And uh, they're just so tight checking. And, it's like, third periods, once you run into a tight game like that, coming into it, you know, end of the second, third period, they just know how to win. They know how to shut games down. And it's so frustrating as especially as a forward when you're trying to get you know create offense against a team like that they're just layers on top of you on the forecheck and good neutral zones and it's just impossible to get anything going with them um and yeah good teams just know how to win uh just wanted to get your thoughts on bunting and you know it's it's a missed call luke and there is a level of frustration there no question about that but you know if if you're in bunting situation uh, what do you do? How do you handle it? Man, I've been playing against Michael Bunting since this kid was on an American League deal in Tucson. I was in San Diego. He's been driving me nuts since 2018. So now having to watch him in my home city here every uh, every other night drives me nuts. I mean, he's not. Well, what get drove you nuts? Call. What? What? Well, what what exactly? Like, I mean, he's just. That's got to be a call, right? The first one, I think, was the like the rough thing that he was asking for when he got you know cut a little bit there. But man, the other one was just like an elite dive by him. I thought, and it was just like, eventually, you're not going to get these calls. These refs are just going to you know they're going to let you dangle. And I, I don't know. I just think he just needs to shut up and play every now and then. And uh, and it definitely saw some frustration last night. <laughs> 
So just to, uh, before we let you go, I wanted to get your thoughts on that other team you do watch a lot, the Edmonton Oilers. I recently uh, changed my mind on them, kind of figured that looks like the best team in the Pacific Division to me. What do you think about them and their cup aspirations, uh, given a slower start to the season? They are absolutely, the wheels are turning there. They, uh, Connor looks like, I mean, it's, if anyone listening hasn't been watching Oilers hockey, I like, recommend highly to watch 97 play right now because this is the best hockey we have ever seen probably a player play in hockey he's he's literally putting this team on his back they're getting contributions from other guys in the lineup i think they win the pacific um i don't know how you know far in the playoffs i haven't really you know thought that far down the road whether they're gonna you know be cup contenders but I think they win the Pacific and they're just buzzing right now. They, they just look like their locker room is, is in good spirits. And uh, yeah, it's a dangerous team there for sure. And I didn't even mention, you know, dry who's playing out of his mind now as well. So they can stay healthy and get some goaltending. They're seriously, seriously going to uh, put up a fight in the, in the West. I think. I find it. Um, I don't know what the word is interesting or just, uh, I'm, I'm a little per- perplexed that, you know, you, you need to recommend watching the greatest player in the world in ice hockey if, uh, if, if people aren't. Like, is, is there a sense that this guy just does not get the respect he deserves for a guy dominating as much as he does? I mean, I actually think so. Because if you watch this guy, it's like there's, well, if you include the goalies, there's 11 other skaters on the ice. But he's at a completely different level than everybody else. He watched him play on, I know it was Chicago, but I watched, you know, the game last Saturday uh, in Edmonton. And he's just, he's skating circles around people and he's, he's in a completely different class than, than anybody else. And just the way he's thinking the game right now, you can see his mind going and his, and his head's up and it's just, it's special to watch. Luke, I saw you had your own all-star break. How was your vacation, man? You coming back refreshed, ready to rock? Yeah, spent a couple of days in the Cayman Islands, uh, got down there. Um, it was nice to get away from the city for a bit. I was actually thinking, you'll love this. I, uh, I was in Jersey in 2017. We played on a Friday, and, um, and I booked a non-refundable uh, trip to Mexico with a bunch of the guys, so a couple grand there. Yeah. And on the ga- after the game, Tom Fitzgerald came and grabbed me in the parking lot and told me instead of going to Mexico, I was going to Albany to play three to play a three and three that weekend. <laughs> so I ran back, had to go back in the rink, get my gear. And instead of a four hour flight to Cancun, I had a four hour drive to upstate New York to go play for the Albany devils for oh my, my last all third break. So that was thinking of that story this morning. I thought I'd let you guys know that for I all star break. Oh. Hey, really appreciate your time, man. <laughs> no problem boys. Anytime. Yeah, thanks, thanks buddy. Have a good one. Appreciate it. Like, it's so interesting. I'm like, first 10 years of my Sportsnet career, I'm like working like a dog, <laughs> trying to make every phone call, trying yeah. to get respect. And yeah, this guy's on Cayman. Oh, down. yeah. <laughs> it's the new world, man. Yeah. Hey, just, yeah. Listen, I, I got to say. That's what happens with NHLers coming out today <laughs> compared to me. I don't think there is anyone that thinks Connor McDavid is underappreciated. That is the ultimate oh, no. straw man no, no, conversation no, no, no. here. No, there, there's players now. No Jesus, there's players on the uh, down at the All Star game. I, I don't know where I read it, but one of the players is like, like he's the most dominant player in 
any sport. I th- there's a case to be made. And, He's like, people aren't talking about him enough. They're not talking about points. Or they're, something. they're not yeah. talking about him enough. Yeah. He gets talked about all the time. He's on every advertisement. No, He's got no, 17 ads. That, He's on uh, hockey night in Canada it, every single it week. Might have been on, a, it might have been on. more of a U.S. thing. Okay, that's fair. Okay. I mean, but that's the whole league. There's like that's the whole. Yeah. Sean Payton getting traded would have been talked about more in the last week than the NHL has been talked about all year down there. It's it is. Like, it is peak. One of the greatest whatever, three players, whatever he ends up being in hockey at his absolute prime right now, and the game is better than it's ever been, and it's not a fair fight when he's out there right now. I would say he's the greatest player I've ever seen play hockey, period. Yeah, given our ages, that's yeah. a reasonable take. Like, he's better than... I, I don't, better. Crosby never looked as dominant as McDavid looks right now, I don't no. think. No one... I, I, I just was in an era where a guy scored at three or four times the rate as anyone else. Yeah, so hundred uh, percent. So I mean, you've, I, seen, I you've seen Gretzky, you've two, seen McDavid. Two, was Gretzky more dominant in that era? Well, yeah, he was. Yeah. But you know, there's there's different reasons for that too, and might be uh, level of competition for the most part. I mean, uh, guys, there's more goals. Third and fourth liners, so. you know, were not as they are today. Yeah, the, yeah. the skill levels gone to a complete new. Yeah. Uh, Except in the least. Hemisphere, but it's, yeah. it's it's apples to oranges. So do I look at Connor McDavid as the greatest skater I've ever seen in my whole life? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He's it's, not doing the skills comp and nor sh- or fastest skater, nor should he. What do you got, five hard laps? How many got <laughs> No thanks. He's not doing the fastest skater? He's not. He's doing the accuracy shooting. Come would on! You want, if you're Edmonton, would you want him going a thousand miles an nope. hour without a helmet in the Alone corners? In the... I, it's like I think firing the pucks at the targets <laughs> would do fine for us. Shoot, bud. Yeah. Well, if I'm McDavid, but, it's like, look at the best dunkers in the NBA don't dunk. Why know, am I doing this? The, the 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 interesting part is that for for me in in Gretzky's era too is that he was also in Edmonton and he got way more U.S. exposure than Connor does right now. Mm-hmm. Like. Really? Gretzky hosted SNL. Listen, yeah, Gretzky, listen, Gretzky was is on, a household name. Uh, He's synonymous with hockey in the U.S. He hosted constantly it. He hosted on the Tonight it. Show. David Letterman. It, like, Imagine Connor McDavid hosting like, the Nightly News. I don't know, let alone SNL. I don't think it'd be very thrilling. Would, would, would you ever see Connor McDavid? Gretzky on, had more of an appetite on uh, Jimmy Kimmel, or would they even know who he is? Like a great question. I like, love the question. Does Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel listen, know who Connor McDavid is? That's a great uh, like, <laughs> like, like we'd see every once in a while, like Henrik Lundqvist on Jimmy Fallon in the last few years. But he that, for the Rangers, he played, he's well, like no. one of the biggest weapons in league history. I know, and, and Fallon's a hockey fan, yeah, yeah. and you can find him at right, a Ranger he's a game. Guy, right. So maybe that's a bad example. But there was a, a relationship between the league and NBC. Because, of course, right, NBC right, right, had right, a 10 right. year deal. Mm-hmm. So it's probably a little easier to put something like that together. Um, but as far as, you know, the exposure of Connor McDavid yeah. in the U.S., it's almost non existent. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, that's something, you know, now that ESPN has the rights, I wonder if they're more invested in having him become a household they name. Should. They're a star making machine, right? They, they should be. Promoting him yeah. like crazy. It's just gross what he's doing right now. 
So did Gretzky in any way facilitate the trade to L.A.? Like, did he? For sure. So, like, is he, he seemed to have more of an appetite for that, right? The, like Austin well, Matthews. It was, it was a contract scenario. Oh, like, what, like who? Austin Matthews oh. has a desire for fame. Oh. The way that Gretzky did. Don't mention Matthews and the Kings in the same sentence because it's just saying there head. is a parallel in the interest okay, for the record. But Edmonton ain't Toronto in terms of national uh, I, attention. I have not started this internet, so just for the record, oh, that's boy. Justin Bourne. <laughs> Dang, Austin I, wants to I be have famous. Said a factual thing. I haven't implied it means anything. <laughs> hey, uh, Gretzky was on the Young and the Restless. And that was all with Edmonton. That wasn't when he went to L.A.? Oh. Yeah, I mean... This is good. Wayne Matthews from our Edmonton the plant cover was the line. Wayne from our Edmonton plant? Yeah, they made him like he was uh, mafia. Really? Yeah. That's hilarious. And he came in like he was muscle, like he was Semenko. He, he was acting like he was Semenko. Gretz must have made some money over the years. Because I, I look back at a lot of the stuff, the ads he shows up in when people show, like, throwback ads and stuff. Like, he was in everything. He was on the box of cereal. He was in Pro Stars, that that uh, cartoon. With I mean, Bo Jackson. With Bo Jackson and Michael Jordan, yeah. I think. You know, like, he was synonymous. I mean, there's the famous, you know, NHL's hot NBA is not cover from the 90s. Like, that was Gretzky. And that was Rangers, too. That was our team. Was that your team, too, that era? Okay, that's yeah. fair. But... I'm just teasing. Maybe not. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> that is something that if you're ESPN, you have to create, you have to make Connor, let people know about Connor. You're missing, well, if, if they are indeed missing it, but he's the guy, man. I think it's uh, true. Yeah. It's true. And, Before the NFL ran away with sports. And do you make of anything about uh, ratings being down? Uh, in the, uh, Yeah. Like it, people are trying to make a big deal out of it, but. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't look good, but, you know, are there reasons why? Because there are these regional uh, blackout yeah. games. and Yeah, the part but, of, there's a number of reasons why, and actually Sean Gentile in, in The Athletic had a good article on it, but in, in a nutshell, it's like instead of having eight NHL games for ESPN, which they had in the second half of the season, they've had 16 or 17 because the success has been so good, but they've gone up against NFL football, which the numbers, you don't get numbers. You put darts there or whatever, you, you know. So that has watered down the numbers. And then there's been blackouts in New York City and Philly and Chicago and, you know, for because they have the regional rights. So, and it's also TNT has done more games. There's people on the app. Like, the general viewership is not down. It's just the numbers look. Spread out. Yes. And just the, the nights you're on and all that. It, it's number, data that needed context, context that was shared without context. How, how do we get Gretzky to get, or sorry, Conor McDavid to get into a uh, sprint like he Gretzky did. Have you ever seen that clip? I of loved him, it. Of him like race. Yeah. Who did he race? Was they it have, Pele? Beyond did he Borg, race Pele? Beyond Borg, Pele. Um, and he won, right? Yes, he dusted him. Uh, so, and, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. <laughs> well, you know, Stewie was just saying, you know, he goes to that Biosteel camp and McDavid has or does or whatever. And he says when they do the sprints, and he said there was a bunch of guys who were sprinters in high school. Uh, you know, like that had done proper sprinting NHL athletes. I guess Sagan's a great sprinter or whatever, but he says McDavid is like even on land, like Gretzky is. They've done a study on McDavid where they know that, like, you know, there's a lot of highways between our brain and our our legs and his his highways, like a six lane highway (laughs) and and mine's a single lane. Someone with a slow sign well, waiting to turn it. Yes. Yeah, I just off intermittently. So that'd be like Gretzky. Like he's built very, differently. Yeah. Yeah. He's, well, he's, built he's literally built different. There's the sports gene as a book. And, you know, I don't know if this is in it, but like Michael Phelps has 
uh, long legs and a short torso and like slightly higher webbing in his fingers. Like he is physiologically designed to swim. The number one doppelganger I get is Michael Phelps. Oh, I'm sorry. People always say I look like Michael You're Phelps. You're much more handsome, Michael Phelps. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, See, he should be disqualified for having web hands. <laughs> I don't think they're webbed to the tips. Yeah, that's cheating. <laughs> I wonder if you could get surgery as a swimmer to extend your webbing. They don't measure this sort I, of thing. You got to give me uh, flippers then <laughs> if I'm in but the pool he, against them. He's got massive feet like he's built to swim. And this is the point. Some people, the greatest athletes, so, have some physical advantages. No kidding. So at the All-Star game this weekend, I would much rather than seeing any skills, I would like to see a 40-yard dash with McDavid, uh, Lionel Messi, or who is the... or a, I can't Ca- think Cristiano Ronaldo. more likely to snap um, a quadricep muscle. I'm trying to think of, of to a fighter. a middle-aged soccer player who's toiling around. So like Cristiano Ronaldo, right? who plays in the Middle East. Zlatan. Call Zlatan. Zlatan would probably be a better yeah. comparison. I, you think you could sell that? Oh my God! David yeah, V. Ronaldo. Absolutely. Ronaldo would be like who? A yeah. Canadian we need a tennis player, player too. So Milos. Milos. I love it. Now we're talking. Milos so would be like Mike Tyson. Milos. I think he's a biosteel guy too. This is like already available to us. We're doing it. Get, recreate the sprint. And are you going to join in? Sam, no. For I, uh, it's like when I take a picture of things with size, I put my chapstick in there so people have a sense can, for it. Can I be honest with you? Terrible, I uh, by the way. I got what you're saying. Okay. I am horrifically slow runner. Are you really? Horribly slow runner. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bad slow skater, bad slow runner. Not a good runner. You run? Oh, yeah. yeah. I was a fullback in the soccer. Yeah. Oh, he ran. Uh, oh, my God. Can you, can you imagine the tackles <laughs> Kipper was doing back in high school no. as a center back? You no. must have just butchered boys. Killed guys. <laughs> Absolutely killed guys. Oh, yeah. oh my I God. I couldn't even look uh, like down the... The, the line to see their other team's parents. At least it was Canada, so they were like, ah, he's a hockey guy. He yeah, whatever. Yeah. He's no, going pro. That was a great sport. Oh, it's the best. I love, I love pretty, playing it. Yeah, pretty popular you know, in, internationally. The, the, the best was uh, uh, corner kicks <laughs> mm-hmm. when everybody's got their head up, including the referee. <laughs> he just, just got a shiv. One elbow into the chops, <laughs> and they, they, they were done. You just get Michael Bunting by Carlo. Uh, yes, but don't look at the official. Just play on. Play through it. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Brian Lawton after. We'll get into the Boston Bruins, the Leafs, and uh, maybe a little All-Star. Get his thoughts on that and so much more. You are listening and watching Real Kipper and Born. This is Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Plowing through. How you feeling? Actually, I'm uh, all right. I'm hanging in there. Yeah, that's good. Let's, uh, let's give a friendly reminder, Derek, Sheldon Keefe, what month it is. <laughs> I it's love it. February in Ontario. Everybody's battling something. That's right. He's so right. You know, it doesn't even have to be sickness. We're all just in a fight out here for our lives, all right? It's February. I am playing that every day. <laughs> In February. Have you seen the weather uh, in the next day or two? Yeah, it stinks. Yeah, it's like minus 20, feels like minus 30. It's the only reason to go to Miami right now is for the All-Star game then. Yeah. I'd want to be there right now. You would want to be there? Oh, yeah. I wouldn't take anything in. I just hang out at the beach. If Sportsnet was like, we will send you there, you don't have to do anything, I would say Yes. yes, then I would not go. And I would just stay home. 
<laughs> just no, to, no, you're not I, a beach guy. No, not a beach. Maybe I'd go golf. Oh, I yeah. love the heat. Love the heat. You know, I thought I did, so I moved to Arizona. No joke. I was like so tired of living in cold places when I retired. Yeah. I was like, I'm just going somewhere where it's goddamn warm. And I went to Arizona, and two years in, I was like, I am so bored. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so bored of every day being golf sunny. Every day. Uh, no, I didn't. I mean, I golfed here and there. You know what I did is I sat at the bar. It was cheap in Arizona. <laughs> There's your mistake. Yeah, I was indoors a lot. All right, Sammy, where's Brian Lawton? Trying to track him down. All right. I sent him a text here. Well, uh, he'll, he'll get back to us. Okay. Here All right. Um, what do you want to do? You want to uh, start a conversation that uh, uh, you and uh, well, I saw it on, J.D. I, Bunkus had? I didn't talk to him about this, but I saw it on his podcast this morning about who that the mo- second most important player in the league is. Because he said McDavid is the most important player, which we had just had a long conversation, so it's a good segue. But I was, just thought it was an interesting conversation, what you value in importance, because I think it'd be different things for different people. Mm-hmm. So if I were to ask you who the second most... I mean, I could ask you the most important player. Is it McDavid? Yes, it is. Kipper? Well, if... if <coughs> Oh, my God. You didn't pick that up, did you? Yeah, you you just coughed straight in the mic. Oh, did I? Sorry, everybody. My wife's like, the cough button was the other one. Who's that? Okay. Said the cough button was the other one. Oh, sorry. What did I press? Uh, Amplify. What's the red dump button for? Does that mean I need to go to the bathroom? Um, That actually gives you guys control uh, if we were in delay, if someone, you know, say a former player like... uh, someone that we've had on before swears. Oh, we could e- eject could the actually, audio? You could actually hit dump twice, and you would drop the last eight seconds just for radio for uh, YouTube. Nice to know. Matter. So I can dump Sammy uh, <laughs> if he says something eight seconds mm-hmm. after Absolutely. he says it. Absolutely. If you press it three times, it ejects you through this window. We have Lawton. Brian's there. See, I learned something new because I coughed. That's good. I'm glad we got that. Lots, help me out here. I'm... Uh, I'm an hour 20 into uh, the show, but I'm, I hope I'm not fading. Got a, I got a man no. cold. Never. Fading you, Kipper? That's never happened. How are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good. Are you at FanFest right now at the All-Star Game? I am not. I'm in Minnesota where it's anything but. Yeah, freezing your ass off. Right now outside, just like everybody else in Toronto, probably. Nice. All right, where do you want to start, Lots? Uh, did you watch Toronto and Boston? Uh, anything uh, outside of that uh, that game last night that strikes you on uh, how you think the Atlantic Division may uh, play out this season? Um, I don't think there was any real surprises in that game other than there's a lot of talk about the playoff format and how a couple of monster teams can face off against each other potentially. So early in the playoffs, I get that. Um, it's not going to change this year, so I think people should probably relax on that. Maybe it will in the future, but I would not bet for that, to be honest with you, Kipper. I just think it's the way it is. It's unfortunate for good teams. It's almost kind of like Phil Mickelson being a good player in the Tiger Woods era. Just the wrong time. <laughs> yeah. That is the best comparison I have ever heard for the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. It's wonderful. Um, <laughs> so I, Phil Mickelson. It is. The Leafs the are Phil Mickelson. This is my new. I'm, I'm using that every day. Oh, henceforth. yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So what do you think then watching that game with this Maple Leafs team? We sit in here almost every day and talk about trades and who they need to add and what they need to add. You know, it's tough in the cap era to add. How much can they get better without adding? Or are they at the point where they're so far behind a Bruins team that's the only option is adding? Um, I don't know how they could not try to add. I think it's important for the group that they see management doing everything they can. I understand it's not easy, but as we've seen the last three or four years now, really, where there's a will, there's a way. And there's contracts you can pick up out there. You could call Montreal. Maybe they'll trade you Byron. You could call Vancouver, maybe Furlan, maybe find ways to extend your cap space in the Leafs case so they could get one more player on board. And it never changes for me, guys. It's always, uh, I think the young guys have done terrific for the Leafs this year. Um, I still would want one more player on the back end that could make a difference. Is that where... we were talking earlier, like all of a sudden a goaltending scenario pops up where you're like, okay, who's it going to be? Is Samsonov on track to be the starting goalie in game one? If Murray's unreliable to even stay healthy, uh, do you need a a better backup, Uh, a bottom six guy, a top six guy, a D? You can't do it all lots. How does does Kyle go about the next uh, 30 days? No, you got to pick your poison on this one. You can't do it all. And, yes, it would be great to get another goaltender to give him a little bit of coverage. But um, I don't see anybody out there. I mean, who are you going to get? Are you going to get Ranta? Are they going to trade him because they have a couple other goalies? No. They might keep Ranta. Who knows? He's unrestricted, though. So you think maybe there's a possibility there. Uh, John Gibson, are you going to get him? No, that's not going to work out. Not with the term he has left, with the cap hit he has. And when you go down the line, there's really nobody that says, okay, that I can get that guy. I can actually, it's a realistic possibility. And if I get that guy, it'll change my team. There's nobody out there that fits the bill right now that I'm aware of. Maybe someone pops loose, but I don't see it happening. You know, so then you got to look at what other areas can you shore up. And there are a lot of D out there, Kipper. I just, want to go back to, I just want to go back to the goaltending for a second here. There is some, some speculation that, uh, that Demko may be available. Uh, there's talk about Nashville if they get out of a playoff race that they could sell and maybe Saros could get them uh, a big return. How do you see the goaltending market for those type of guys who aren't UFA? Would, would teams be willing to take a chance as if they're trading for a number one guy anymore? In regards to Demko, yeah, it's always a possibility. Anything's on the uh, table, it feels like, with the Canucks right now. Um, I do think in terms of Toronto's position, I don't think it's going to be a great return year for teams. And unfortunately, it just has to do with how many teams are sellers? I mean, I was going through the players that are potentially available this morning. Spent about three hours on it. Always kind of refining what I keep for my tools. And uh, I can't believe the superstar player pool that's potentially available this year when you think of all the teams. So it's, it's going to be a challenge uh, to find a goaltender because that is the one area that's really weak. 
but all the other positions are strong, and you've got to pick your poison, like I said. I just don't see – would I feel great if I got Demco? Not with what I've seen this year. Would I go all in on that one move versus maybe another one? I would not, no. What teams do you expect to be most aggressive shopping? You know, we've talked about all the teams – that are selling and there are, as you mentioned, lots of great players. We talk about Toronto every day, but surely they're not the only ones heading to the, you know, supermarket with their grocery basket. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, It's easy to identify all the teams that are selling this year. San Jose, Anaheim, Chicago, Vancouver's uh, Vancouver's strange because I thought they would have, maybe not look to receive any players back or certainly not any players with a contract that maybe isn't that favorable. So that one surprised me, but you know, we don't say rebuilding anymore. We say retooling, So maybe they're retooling on the fly. Um, but as far as the teams that I think could be buyers, I think LA is on the prowl for sure. Carolina has to feel like, you know, especially with Pacioretty going down, that one more player might push them over the top. They always uh, seem to be pretty reasonable in their moves. They're very strategic. Uh, Washington, for sure, is looking for another player, anything they can do. Everybody has the same problem, but there will be organizations. The Lightning are on the hunt again. I mean, I don't know if they're trading sticks and pucks at this point, but they can't have a lot of assets left to move from what they've done in the past. And you certainly can't blame them. I'm not saying it that way. It's just getting tougher for them to make moves. But uh, those teams are just a few. Colorado, you have to think, is going to go out and try to grab somebody to maybe fill Cadre's role. That could be the difference for them. I don't see how they wouldn't do that. There's going to be action. The problem is there's a lot of players available. You know, let's say Colorado wants a second-line center. Ryan O'Reilly's hurt. Jonathan Taves is available. Max Domi is available. Boone Jenner is probably available. You know, teams are cycling through their options right now trying to figure out what the best course of action is. You've got a a young general manager in Davidson in uh, Chicago. Is there any scenario that you could see that Chicago would say uh, no to anything that Taves or Kane want? because they don't like the return or are they in the uh, tough position of saying, Hey, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be the guy that holds back, um, you know, making you and your family happy here. I don't, you know, you and I have talked about it, Kipper. There's a very specific process you have to go through when you have players that are in Patrick or Jonathan's position. You don't want to just give them away, no matter what. A lot of GMs would rather do nothing than do that and be embarrassed um, or take that step, quite frankly. Uh, Some guys, you know, we saw last year with Anaheim, they decided they're moving on from Lindholm, they move on from him. Uh, The Buffalo Sabres decided they were moving on from Taylor Hall, they move on from him. Yeah, but they're not considered considered their best franchise players in history and – you know, if, if Taves wants to go to Colorado and they're only offering him a, a third or a fourth round pick, I mean, would could you see Chicago saying, no, 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 we want a, a first in this? Yes, I, I oh, could. Oh, you could, and I eh? think they'd be, Yes, and I think they'd be justified to ask for 
more, mostly because they're going to pick up 50% of the cap, and there's a value to that. If you want to get the experience of a Jonathan Taves, who's making $10.5 million on his cap, his cash is actually really low. I think he's only making $2.9 million salary, but it doesn't matter. The cap hit is valuable. Chicago shouldn't fight that, so they probably would agree. And I'm just guessing. I'm not speaking for them. They probably would, should, if they want to get maximum value, agree to pay half the salaries for both those guys, particularly because at the end of the year, it's, you know, they're probably maxed out on their retained salaries, but it doesn't matter because they're both unrestricted. You get it right back after the season. Just want to maximize your return. Uh, Would they be justified to hang in there? Yes. Why did I say there's a specific process? Because you never want to put yourself or the organization in that position. You go to a player, you have the conversation with them, even Hall of Fame level players like Patrick and Jonathan, who dearly love the Chicago Blackhawks. And you say, look, don't hamstring me here. Just at least give me two or three teams that you would consider and let me do my job. That way the organization gets a fair return. That way we get you where you want to go. That's the way that it should work. It doesn't work that that way enough of the time, but that should be very clear. It really should be because otherwise you do end up giving away a player and a lot of GMs don't like that. Number one, it looks bad for the organization. Um, so it's, it's just something that if you're really thinking about that and you're managing the club, I'd imagine Kyle would have had those conversations last year with the players. Lots, you've had a unique experience in that you've been on many sides of the game from playing an agent and manager and, you know, doing the analysis, all that, different angles at it. Gary Bettman just celebrated his 30th anniversary as the commissioner of the NHL. He won some award of some variety, Lifetime Achievement Award. What is your perspective on Gary Bettman's tenure uh, as a National Hockey League commissioner? Uh, I think Gary has done a good job. He came into this league back in 92 under auspicious circumstances, to say the least. Nick would remember this because he was one of the players that went on strike that year. And um, that was probably uh, one of the more challenging times for Gary. He had just come into the league. He was new. He was fresh out of the NBA. The league was doing around $400 million in revenue. And uh, it depends on what metrics you want to use to evaluate Gary, but uh, pretty much any way you look at it, the league has experienced massive growth. It's had uh, its challenges like every other league, but it's managed to continue to move forward. Um, You know, the tenure to me is what speaks a lot about the job that Gary's done. The ownership group is obviously very, very comfortable with him And if you spend any time around NHL owners, you recognize that it's a challenge to satisfy everybody. Every organization has a different perspective, a different view. And to be able to do that, keep your job, uh, grow the league the way Gary has, you have to tip your cap to him and say that is just a remarkable feat. I don't know uh, if we'll see anybody come into the league you know we're talking about the nhlpa and they're changing their leadership again you think about how many people have been in there since gary started um i don't think we'll see a lot of commissioners in the future have the kind of tenure that gary did it just speaks to his ability to connect with people and manage upwards i think he's done a fantastic job of that the revenues are over six billion now 
a long way from 400 million. Uh, he's got himself past, you know, some of the labor strife that we've seen in the past. I think he has learned as he's been on the job. I think he's gotten better. I think he's softened. No one will probably like to hear that in the ownership group, but I think overall Gary has softened to see the macro view more clearly of the NHL, and I think that's really helped him and helped the league. Lots. uh, We were talking earlier about uh, that report that uh, ratings are down between ESPN and TNT, and, yeah, maybe they're they're justified. Uh, Justin threw out a couple of reasons why, but would would that bother Gary and the league um, regardless? Uh, that would really bother him. Uh, you have no doubt he'll be on top of that kipper and he'll figure it out. You know, I didn't hear what Justin's reasons were. If you wouldn't mind, please repeat them to me and I'll comment. Yeah, you had, uh, Justin had talked about uh, uh, certain games uh, uh, being blacked out or uh, streamed and not being able to get, uh, you know, all the data. Basically, the games have been... There's as many people watching. They're just uh, they're just uh, you know fanned out uh, by different platforms that maybe you you don't necessarily uh, that register. Yeah, I'd say that's accurate, and I would say that that's what the league would be working on. They're pretty on top of their numbers. Uh, you can't control you know how people report it, um, but you'd have to ask Gary. I would say that. And that's exactly what I would have said, by the way. Yeah. So I would say that um, Gary would make that correction privately. He's not a guy to really do it publicly, although I think you'll see some explanation to it. He had two new partners in the game last year. Uh, I thought they both did a good job, TNT and ESPN. Uh, I think there was a lot of excitement built for that. Certainly the revenue increased on a, a per-game basis, but the macro picture is – where is the game going? So when I initially saw that report, I got to work on it and got to a pretty good comfort level as to how it was not representative of where the league actually is at. Lots. One more before I let you go, and that uh, is here uh, in Toronto. Uh, Kyle Dubas has got 30 days to kind of figure it out at the deadline. It's been well documented that this guy uh, would dearly love an extension. Uh, He's not getting it. And it appears that he won't get it until there's success after the first round. How much will that play in to what he can and can't do here? And, uh, or is it business as usual? Great question. Hard to define from our positions. Would have to think he has the leeway to continue to operate the way he has. But if he steps outside of the box, and, you know, let's just hypothetically say he wants to trade three first-round picks for Ryan McDonough. The Nashville Predators are out of it. And he's the missing link. Leadership, top 4D, Stanley Cubs, four appearances in the finals, blah, blah, blah. Do I believe he could do something like that? No, I don't. I think that'll be managed. But I think that's pretty standard. I think he'll be able to operate the way he has in the past. I just don't think he'd be able to deviate so dramatically um, that no one would notice. In terms of Kyle, um, I always call it like I see it with Kyle. I think he's done an excellent job overall. Uh, Their team has been tremendous. I think if he doesn't make it past the first round, then who knows what happens. But it wouldn't be on the 
grounds of that the team didn't play well this year or didn't show well. It would be on the totality of the lack of playoff performances. And why do I say that? Because I think someone else will hire him very quickly, to be honest with you. I really do. Lots, really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure. Thanks, Lots. Appreciate it. Brian Lawton. You said it it best. Guy that's done it all. Yeah. Um, What'd you think of his answer on uh, Kyle? Yeah, I I agree. You know, I think he nailed that. By the way, I wanted to say thank you during that interview because I was not listening at the one point because he had mentioned Lots. uh, Boone Jenner is a name. Which I was like, that's an interesting name. He's a big body guy. He scored 23 goals in 50 some games last year. He's available for 3.7 million cap hit. It's Kerfoot's number. Yeah. You know, the big guy like that. I don't know. Does that interest you at all? Boone Jenner? I also read some Tarasenko quotes, which I'll read to you in a sec. Uh, Adam Henrique. You mentioned yeah. him as well. Yeah. I'd probably go there. Okay. Uh, before I would boon. Um, Jeremy Rutherford interviewed Tarasenko at the All-Star game um, and asked about this being the last time that Tarasenko would represent the Blues on the big stage. Tarasenko says, yes, obviously, uh, yes, because even Vladdy doesn't know the future of Vladdy. There is only one guy who knows more than me, and his name is Doug Armstrong. I think that's the guy you should talk about with my future with the Blues. He said, pulled hey, a, beard, a pure Dorian. Yes. He said, have you had any more talks with them lately? And he said, no, not lately. So I feel like Vladdy... Feels like Vladdy is on the way out the door and has no control over that. I probably think that they've been trying to trade him for a while. In the Seattle, who passed on him in the in the draft? Yeah, they didn't treat themselves at all. No, during that, go they, get yourself something nice. They didn't. Yeah. They, they didn't take him. They didn't no, take Duchesne. They didn't take any of those guys. You you got to understand that if if teams have a. a you know, a game plan. You don't deviate from well, the actually, game plan. Well, actually, didn't they get Vince Dunn? Was that who they took from St. Yeah, Louis? Vince is, Dunn is like their top yeah, defense. He's, he's, <laughs> he's like him, 25 so. minutes So maybe there's some good so, reason. you know, just because something shiny comes along doesn't mean that you're going to go off the, the beaten path here. And and there's some people saying, oh, you know, Seattle's going to trade Shane Wright for someone that can help them now. And it's like, Relax, no, fellas. that's not yeah. happening. Yeah. That's... They won't do that. They didn't. They didn't have a knee-jerk reaction missing the playoffs last year, and they're not going to have a knee-jerk reaction to thinking that they can win the Stanley Cup this year. For sure, it's a long-term plan, or at least so we're told. So, yeah, I agree. They won't do that. All right, Sammy, you want to get back into this uh, importance of uh, priority for the National Hockey League, and Connor McDavid sits at the top, correct? For you, yes. And who's the second most important player as far as the National Hockey League is concerned? I think it's probably Ovi because of the goal chase. Well, I think if you're down in uh, in Miami right now... I'm here all day, I guess. His face would be plastered on most buildings around the hotels. I guess is the, the, the question rink. in terms of importance is like long-term with the league. Like Ovi's got a few years left. You know, Austin Matthews is an American-born guy who likes to, you know, be on the cover of GQ, as I mentioned earlier, and, you know, just won the Hart Trophy. He wants he, to be really famous. I th- we think so. I don't know. I think. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you want to play in L.A., like Bourne said. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, is Matthews not – is he more important than Ovi yet? Crosby? Are we doing Crosby because he's the golden boy, the golden child? This is why it's a good question. 
it's hard to quantify exactly what it means. But yeah. I think if you were if you were Gary Batman and you were writing down a list of guys that are important to your league, let's just say within the next couple of years, I think it starts with McDavid and number two is Ovechkin. And it's, you know, maybe not what you want to hear, but the goal chase is this is literally the all time goal record it's, that he is yeah. under a hundred away. Yeah. Under eighty away. And I'm sure there's a little apprehensive too on, you know, the temperature, the political temperatures. That's a huge part of this conversation. That has to play into it on how hard do they push and how you want to make sure it's as positive as it can be for the NHL without kind of pushing your your luck on it, right? Mm -hmm. So, but it kind of disappoints me that Crosby wouldn't be thought of until like the third, fourth, or fifth guy, uh, guy. Yeah. especially with what he's been able to do in the past 15 years. He probably years. has the greatest brand recognition in the NHL today. We talk about, you know, just like if Jimmy Kimmel knows who Sidney Crosby is, I bet. I would I would agree you with think? that 100%. That Sid, this is our new measuring stick. Sid would, <laughs> would really, when push came to shove, be the face of the NHL right he's now. probably a more famous name, yeah. I would agree with that. Sid over, Sid over McDavid. Currently, McDavid's in year seven. Crosby's in year fourteen. He's won everything. He's been the face of the league for a long time. It's just what you're trying to now do with Connor is sell the sizzle, right? Mm-hmm. Sid's the steak. Yeah, Connor's the sizzle. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. It's well done. Okay. Um, are we are we done? With yeah, that? let's go. Rasmus Dahlin is replacing teammate Tage Thompson at All-Star Weekend. Rasmus Dahlin, do you know how many points that man has? 55 points right now. <laughs> I'm blown away by that. Isn't that crazy? He's only behind Eric Carlson. He's second in the NHL in D-scoring. And how far are they from making the playoffs? Not. Not that far. Let's have a look-see here. I'm in the no, I think they're two points back. After a bad loss last night. To, they're sniffing, yeah. They're they're one point behind Pittsburgh. See, that's the Norris Trophy winner right now. I think there's a great case. He's 10 points behind Carlson. Yeah, I don't care if... I don't care that a non-playoff team has you 10 points ahead. So you don't, for me, you don't need to be in playoffs like you have... 93 points as a team and you're in, so you get a vote, or 92, you're out, so you don't? I think there's a buffer zone. Yeah, and like if... Darlene comes... If he leads them to close. Darlene is 10 points behind. He's getting my vote. Did you... I don't know this is... A, or if you listen to JD's show... I'll just, I'll just vote on. for Kale McCarr. Yeah, he's the best guy in the league. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he's not having a Norris Trophy season. I honestly, I, I would have to pick through that. I don't know. Right? Um, I don't know. Maybe he is, and I'm not paying attention maybe. to Colorado. But judging by a team that struggled with injuries. He's got and, 45 points. and he's not, 10, it's, not, it's not a Norris Trophy season for Kale McCarr. So Dolly, or Ray Bork was on JD's points. show, and Ray Bork lost the Norris Trophy in, like, I don't know what year it was. Call it late 80s, something like that. No, maybe Kipper's late teammate? 90s. Maybe. So he has 96 points, 31 goals, and 96 points as a D-man. He loses it to Rod Langway, who had 33 points. He had 60 points, 63 points more than the guy who beat wow. him for the North. Like, there's a great Rod kept yeah. a lot of pucks out of his net. 
Oh, Bork had 96 points. Yeah. But that's when you could be a shutdown guy and be one of the best defensemen people in the loved league. You. Yeah, people love you. They're like, yeah, a nice 96 points, Ray. You know, play better defense. And he's like, Sammy, what year was that? You can find end. it real quick. Rod Langway's uh, Norris Trophy seasons has to be. It was 83 84. Oh, that early, 83, yep. 84. If it's the one that he had 33 points in, then it's that one. Then it's 83, 84. Pork had 96 He won points. the, he won the so James Norris. Oh, so he won, 20 teams he, he won it back, back to, yeah. he to, won it back to back. Langway did? Yeah, 82, 83, 83, 84. And were they a top team, Washington, by then? No. Playoff team? Uh, they went 48, 27, and 5 under Brian Murray. That's pretty good. So because it's All-Star Weekend, I'll give you our more Ray Bork All-Star trivia. I think if you know Sam, don't give it to me. But how many All-Star games do you think Ray Bork made? Every single one. I'd say, like, was he hurt one year? No. Made every single one. 19. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I think he played 19. He had 19 All-Star teams. What did you make of, uh, speaking of Ray Bork and the Boston Bruins, what did you make of uh, Brad Marchand's uh, comments about making less I thought that was HS. That was garbage because it's not true. The year that he signed that contract, Brad Marchand, he had 60 points in 75 games, roughly, and he was worth six point whatever million that he earns. And then the next year he became. No, it's not. This isn't. It's not true, though, because the captain of their team took a million dollars this year. No, we're talking about Brad Marchand. But no, but he said the guys here yeah, do no, it. Yeah, no, he's talking about the whole... Okay, but if he's going to lump himself into the culture we well, have here, yeah, but, pump the brakes, I mean, Brad. he's speaking of David Krejci coming back if from Czechia, taking a million fine, bucks. But to me, he's clearly implying he's one of the good guys who's made a noble decision for the greater cause. He did not do that. See, there's a ton of pressure on Pasternak right now to take less. I... If I'm Pasternak, his comments bother me. Yeah. Quit trying to undercut my upcoming deal here, bud. I, yeah, but, I mean, Brad Marchand or David Pasternak, who has more clout within the organization, I think it's probably well, Marchand. It's not about that. He you can, don't want your teammate a, trying to cut your legs out when you're trying to get paid. He wants him to stay there, and he realizes he that he might not be able to. Maybe you're making him not want to stay there. Right yeah, that's him. a good point, too. You, you, you can't tell me that he's not talking to Pasternak in that message. Yeah, no, you're right. He is. I thought he was talking. 100%. I thought he was talking to the Leafs. Well, yeah, in, in, that, that's, in many that's ways, fair too. That's fair too. You know, I, I think the insinuation can be that it, I'm in Toronto, and uh, you can and, see and how the, bad it's hurt and, these and losers. They're, 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 these losers yeah, are greedy <laughs> bastards, and they'll take anything that they can get. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Do you hear that, David? <laughs> hey, <laughs> but but he, he's he's talking about a culture that's been around there forever. They did the same thing to Ray Bork. Ray Bork was paid. Well, but was he ever for a guy that made every All Star game? There's an argument that he could have been the highest paid guy, right? That it never got there. Yeah. So that's the Boston Bruin Kool Aid. Before yeah. before we go to the end of the show, we didn't get your take because you've been hacking up a lung. What'd you think of the Horvat trade? Uh, pretty much where it should be for an expiring contract on a rental. Mm-hmm. First. First round pick, which I think is could be thirteenth, fourteenth pick. Yeah, it's a pretty good pick. Not too many uh, teams can offer that high of a pick. Absolutely, so that has value. There's uh, so much to play out, right? Oh no, for sure. And and the fact that he is not signed, yeah, it's not a trade and sign. 
should be a little bit of a concern for Islander fans. Yeah, it's like, do they make the playoffs? Does he resign? Do they flip him again for more assets? What's the Islanders pick? Yeah. And in what year? What's Bavillier? Do they flip he's him? Signing there. What's Ratu become? He's, he's signing. Who is? Horvat. Bo Horvat. In New York. In New York. Lou does not make this without getting it done. And if Bo doesn't want to do it, then I'll say bye-bye. I think Bo would have had some idea about mm-hmm. going to New York and the thought of uh, of signing there. Nice and place to call home for I eight think, years. I think, I think Bo would have made it clear that, you know, there's a very good chance I'll sign with you as long as I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Or, well, you know. you know, one thing I know that they will do is they're not going to try to be like, sign with us and not pay market value. They're going to give me by eight or something. I know? think I think uh, the number's eight and a half times eight. That's what I think. And uh, A lot of money. Uh, that's a lot, Ken. I know he's it. a good player and he's still pretty young, but that is I know. It's a, a lot, lot of money. I know, but I think that's, I think after Islanders making this commitment, I think that's that's what he could pull off mm-hmm. and if you really think about it Lou lost Tavares and I think that that money that he would have offered Tavares mm-hmm. is still burning a hole in his pocket mm-hmm. and he and he wants to spend some of it and I know you, you love know, down the middle I know Barzell's uh you know paid handsomely now yeah. at nine is yeah. it nine yep it's a lot of money too yeah but you're big nut you're you're <laughs> now you're you're now in the uh who said that? <laughs> it's a drop. Someone else. Uh, you're in the, the wheelhouse of the cap going up where you can afford yeah. a eight and a half, nine. There is now you can see the salary cap. The plan is for it. You know, before long, it's a smaller percentage of the cap. You got Barzal, Horvat, Nelson, Sezikis down the gut. Pretty good. I mean, you can hang with both see, teams at that you point. You see Horvat and Barzell playing together and Bo on the wing or well, he, Barzell I on think the Barzell, wing? Barzell's Nylander, right? Like he... Really, with no shot. Right. Yeah, Nylander. Who with can't no shoot finish. <laughs> but, like, you know, he skates it, he breaks it out, he does all that sort of stuff, and he'd probably be more effective with less responsibility. I do think that. Yeah. Yeah. They're... I don't think he's going to flip him, though. No. That's not Lou's style. Lou's. I don't know. If, 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 they, if they don't win and he won't resign, Eesh. I doubt they're just going to say, well, we'll be polite and let him walk. Like, I, I think Lou's. Trying to get this thing done ASAP. Right now, they're like, on the phone. By the end of the All-Star break. So at the All-Star game, he's going to play for the Pacific Division mm-hmm. and wear an Islanders logo is the plan. Because apparently, Good, because I was so worried about that. You know what? That is, you, you know why it is interesting? Sandus Ozelinch was traded from the Florida Panthers to, I think, Anaheim and then played in the All-Star game and they had him wear the, and he didn't play. He wasn't going to wear the Panthers logo, and they oh. want him to, so he literally skipped the game. That's where we've come to. Um, I love it, boys. It's a big day up in my neck of the woods, up in Own Sound, near Own Sound. You're doing Why, hockey what? day in Canada no. again? It's why it's why it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's Groundhog Day. Oh, so what happened? And why aren't Willie? Why aren't Willie the only ones that matter? He's about a twenty-minute drive from Own Sound. He came out, did not see a shadow. We're going to be golfing soon, boys. I heard he was dead. No, it's a different one. Screw that groundhog. There's only one that matters. It's Wyatt and Willie. And he did not see his shadow. And that means we'll be golfing sooner rather than later, boys, even though it's minus 85 out tonight. <laughs> awesome news. Thank you. I'm, glad I'm, I'm really glad I had to bring and, that in. Uh, Willie was not invited to Hockey Day in Canada? No, I actually saw the tragic. I saw the tragically hip at the Wyatt and Willie Festival once. It, it doesn't get much more Canadian than that.
All oh, right, man. boys. <laughs> Where do you go from there? What are you watching tonight? Movie? Well, we got some time off now. Yeah, I'm probably going to watch the Elvis movie tonight. I heard it stinks, but I'm going to watch it. Oh, why would you watch say that? Watch the Ballard Doc. I want to. Elvis was good. Yeah, it's one of the Oscar movies. I'm trying to get all the Oscar yeah, movies. No, no, so. no, watch Elvis. It's good. Okay, I'll watch it tonight. I'm reading a book on algorithms. Oh, <laughs> you dork! <laughs> I, I built one. Oh, did you? For my app, which uh-huh. you own. Well, we'll have to have a which, talk about yes. it. Which you own. Next, Next rewards. rewards. Check it out. Check it out. Uh, download it on uh, analog or iOS. Don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> That's my tech term. All right, our thanks to Luke Gazdick and Brian Lawton. Yes, I got through the show. Thanks for uh, putting up with me. We're back tomorrow.